Zeus's defeat of his child-eating slash daddy-defeating father Cronus brought about the age of the Olympians, and thus famous heroes such as Heracles, Perseus, and Jason, but the vast web of mythology doesn't end there, and here I am to dive into it. Hello, and welcome to the Zed Files. My name is Nina, and I am here to talk about history. Not all history, just the history I want, and today I want to talk about, well, a few different things, but the common theme is that they're all Greek myths. Okay, I want to jump right into this one so we can cover as much as possible. I just want to clarify two things. Firstly, if the audio is weird or different, that is because I've moved and I'm recording this in an empty room, so I'm sorry if it's a little bit echoey. Um, And secondly is the structure of today's episode. I'm going to cover multiple different stories because I don't think just one of these would have filled the time. But I want to tell you right now, in case you miss me switching between the stories and then are really confused, but I'm going to try and make it really clear. So just sit back, relax, get some popcorn. Let's get into it. The first story I want to ridicule today is that of, according to BuzzFeed, my godly parent, Apollo. However, I must say that I disagree with BuzzFeed in this regard because personally I feel that my godly parent is Hades. You'll see why later, but Apollo. Apollo is the god of music, philosophy, archery, the sun, poetry, prophecy, wait, healing and diseases? That feels like a conflict of interest. Anyway, I I like Apollo. He's not my favorite, but he's blonde, musical, and beautiful, so I have no reason to hate him. And he's got something else going for him as well. His relationship with the young Spartan prince, Hyacinth. Here's pretty much all you need to know about Apollo. His relationships do not go well. He's like the Taylor Swift of ancient Greece. For the most part, if you catch Apollo's eyes, one of two things happens to you. You turn into a plant or jump off a cliff. Now, to be fair to Apollo, it isn't always his fault. In fact, usually some other god is involved. I'm looking at you, Eros. And, you know, once again, people say the exact same thing about Taylor Swift, but in both of their cases, it becomes a pattern, and when that happens, it might be time to look in the mirror. And uh, you'll be happy to hear that this particular Apollo tale is no exception. You might find it rather simple, but I quite like it, because for the life of me, it just feels so absolutely pointless. Like, I can't really find a moral or anything, it's just tragic for, like, the sake of being tragic. And, you know, I think that about sums up Greek mythology. Am I right? (laughs) Now, the cards are on the table over whether it's Hyacinth or Hyacinthus, but for the sake of this story coming full circle, today we're going to be sticking with Hyacinth. Hyacinth was a young Spartan prince, known all across Greece for his unparalleled beauty. Picture Harry Styles. He grew famous, and in typical Olympian fashion, the gods began to notice him. All of a sudden, it was Hyacinth this and Hyacinth that, honestly. He was the Helen of Troy before Helen of Troy, the James Dean before James Dean, the Leonardo DiCaprio before... Okay, you get the idea. He was cute. Now, one of the gods that had noticed his astronomical good looks was none other than Apollo, which... You might have guessed, considering the long-ass introduction I gave him. Now, compared to Apollo's other conquests, this one actually goes pretty well, but once again, that's only when compared to his others. It's like saying that Jake Gyllenhaal went well for Taylor Swift. 
It only looks that way when you know she dated Joe Jonas first. But Apollo is head over heels for Hyacinth. So he decides to pop down from his fluffy cloud house and visit the young prince. Hyacinth is delighted by Apollo's arrival, and quickly the two become very close. Hyacinth falls in love with the songs that Apollo writes him. Taylor Swift's exes, however, can't say the same, and Apollo attempts to teach the prince how to play the lyre. Growing closer and closer together, the two's relationship is just flourishing. But... As is always the case for Apollo, it just wasn't meant to be. Now, like I mentioned earlier, Apollo isn't the only Olympian interested in Hyacinth. In fact, Zephyr, or the West Wind, was just as entranced by Hyacinth as Apollo. And as Zephyr watches the two men fall deeper and deeper in love, his jealousy begins to grow and grow. Feeling intensely jealous and resentful towards them for excluding him, he began to plot how he would get revenge. Because, as we all know, that the concept of if I can't have it, no one can is an entirely moral and justified idea to base all your actions upon. So one day, Apollo decides to teach Hyacinth how to throw the discus, which is like a fancy Greek frisbee. Apollo winds up with all his godly strength and tosses it to Hyacinth. It's a beautiful throw, elegant as a throw can be, soaring as high as the discus can soar, gracefully riding the wind towards Hyacinth. And as the disc begins to descend, Hyacinth prepares to catch it, but, but Zephyr is not prepared to let this happen. Watching from his fluffy cloud house, he redirects the wind to force the discus out of Hyacinth's reach, propelling it towards the ground, and you're probably like, oh my god, Dina, thank god that's all that happens. I thought Hyacinth was gonna die or something. Pow! The discus ricochets off the ground and jabs Hyacinth in the head, and he collapses to the ground minutes from death. Apollo races over and uses all the magic he can muster to try and save Hyacinth's life, but no matter what he tries, nothing seems to be doing the trick, and slowly, Hyacinth dies in Apollo's arms. But as Hyacinth's blood trickles down towards the fertile earth, a beautiful flower begins to bloom in its place. Apollo is absolutely gutted and mourns for his lover for the years to come, that every spring the flower would bloom again, and Apollo would feel comforted. And thus it was named the Hyacinth, thus continuing the pattern of Apollo's love interest turning into plants. Now I guess you could say that the moral or point of this story is something to do with jealousy, but honestly even that feels pushy. Like the moral is tisk tisk tisk. Look how dangerous jealousy can be. You might kill someone. Like really, that's what you're gonna go with here? I don't know, maybe I'm missing the point, but I subscribe to the belief that this is just your typical Greek love story. God loves boy, boy and God date. Other God kills boy, boy turns into plant. You know, typical. Next, we're gonna be diving into another one of my favorite myths, starring my favorite Olympian, Hades, and my favorite goddess, Persephone. In fact, I love her so much, I named my dog after her. Now, Hades gets a bad rep because of more recent portrayals of him, such as Percy Jackson and 
Hercules, but in true mythology, he's actually like the least problematic out of all the gods. There aren't really any stories about him raping mortal women and producing a whole bunch of demigods, like his <laughs> two brothers, and he mostly just stays chilling in the underworld. People don't realize how much work goes into ruling the underworld. Like, you think China's population of 1.5 billion is a lot? Try every human to exist ever. Man's had his hands full. He didn't have time to woohoo with the living. That's why I love him. He was a hardworking, unproblematic icon who seemed to actually like Persephone. That's another thing I like about them. They had a pretty functional relationship. I mean, like, aside from the kidnapping, but that's Zeus's fault. So yeah. Okay, I'm really rambling here. I should get into the actual myth, but I like explaining why I like the gods beforehand. Sue me. Persephone was the daughter of Zeus and Demeter. Zeus is the king of the gods. You probably know of him. And Demeter was Zeus's sister. I know. And the two of them decided to bop and outpopped Persephone. Now, typically, Persephone is considered goddess of springtime, but honestly, I think Demeter's the real goddess of spring. Persephone just kind of coincides with spring. It's not like she's actually doing the heavy lifting. I see her more as the goddess of the underworld, but I'll get into that later. Just like most female characters in Greek mythology, the most important thing about her is her beauty. The bitch is stunning, and Hades has his eyes on her. So, as you do when you're into your brother's daughter and have never actually met her, is call up your brother and be like, Hey bro, it would be hella baller if I could have your daughter. And if you have a cool brother, he'll respond like, Go ahead, big bro. Just kidnap her, no biggie. And so Hades is like, dope. And he skirts up from the underworld on his chariot led by dead horses and snatches up Persephone and pulls her back down. And you're probably like, Nina, this is your favorite Olympian? Yes. Anyway, so now Persephone and Hades are in the underworld together, and to be honest, most sources tend to make it seem like Persephone wasn't having a bad time. Like, this might be madly problematic, but it's widely accepted that Persephone wasn't too pressed about it. Which, I see the problems in, obviously, but also, this episode is supposed to be fun, so I'm not gonna get into politics here, sorry. However, meanwhile, above ground, Demeter is like, OMG, my daughter just got kidnapped. And she runs to Olympus and falls down at Zeus's knees, begging him to do something and get her back. And Zeus is like, no can do, Demeter, I gave her to Hades. But I have a lot of daughters, so want one of them? And she's just gutted. Absolutely heartbroken. Zeus won't do anything. And she has no idea if her daughter is okay. And Persephone's immortal, so it's not like she was gonna die or anything, but... At that same time, the one place that's, like, bad for immortals to go is the underworld. So, like, yeah, Demeter has reason to be stressed. Oh, there's Persephone. Sorry, I can't do anything about my dog barking. Oops. So, if you remember, Demeter is the goddess of the harvest, right? So, what can she do to make Zeus listen to her? She can stop all harvests everywhere. So, she just brings about an indefinite winter. Elsa style. Her grief is so all-consuming that she pretty much starved out all the Greeks. Which feels like taking her anger out on the wrong people. But doesn't that pretty much define Greek gods? So the Greeks start dropping like flies, and Zeus is sitting up in his fluffy cloud house like, you're bluffing, this isn't gonna last. And Demeter's like, yeah, <laughs> try me. And there's like a hundred Greeks dead. 
and then there's 500 Greeks dead, and then a thousand, and then 15,000, and then a million, and then Zeus is like, shit. This is not going to work because if everyone dies, who's going to make sacrifices to us? And so he calls up Hades and is like, please don't hate me, but I think you got to give Persephone back just for like a hot sec because Demeter's going berserk and killing people. And Hades is like, yeah, no worries, bro. Whatever's best for humanity. So Hermes goes skirting down to the underworld to collect Persephone. And so before Hermes arrives, Hades takes Persephone to say goodbye to her. And he loves her, so he begs her to promise to return after she sees her mom, because he can't bear to live without her. And she does. She promises to come back because she loves him too. Or at least, that's the version of the story that I like. Okay, brief history lesson. In ancient Greek culture, accepting food and sharing food was very significant. So, when, as a goodbye present, Hades offers Persephone six pomegranate seeds, she is obliged to accept. But not only that, when she eats them, she is effectively eating food from the underworld, and therefore, on account of the significance food holds in ancient Greek culture, she is also now obliged to spend six months a year in the underworld, i.e. six pomegranate seeds. But does Persephone know this when leaving the underworld? No, no, she doesn't. Not cool, Hades. I still like him though, because honestly, I don't see this as like a villainous move. I see this as like an endearing character flaw. It gives him depth. I imagine that like he regrets it and it's a point of tension in their relationship and he spends the rest of their eternity together trying to make up for his mistake and then she forgives him and they live happily forever after. See, it's so cute. But before all of that can happen, Persephone has to return to the land of the living. And the moment she does, crops start to grow again. The weather starts to warm and the famine begins to end. Demeter is just thrilled to see her again. But as we all know, Greek myths don't end happily. Because of the pomegranate seeds, she is legally bound in godly law to return to the underworld for at least six months a year. But whenever she's down there, her mom goes all death to every Greek, and so that doesn't really work. And so they figure out a system. She spends six months every year in the underworld, and is required to spend the other six on the land of the living with her mommy, to make sure that she's there enough to keep her mom from cutting off the Greek food source. And according to Greek mythology, this is why we have seasons. Persephone spends her required six months in the underworld with Hades, Demeter causes winter. And when she returns, Demeter causes summer. This is why she's often considered the goddess of spring. But like I said earlier, I don't really agree with this because it isn't actually her job. I mean, I love that I'm just like, I don't agree with the canon. <laughs> like, but her arrival just corresponds with spring. She doesn't actually cause spring. Demeter does. She's just the trigger event. I prefer to think of her as the goddess of death. And this is because she was seriously revered in ancient Greece. There are a lot of sources showing that she was being worshipped the same way Hades was. Out of fear, and out of anxiety for all the power she welled being directed to you. And that is badass. That's not some fluffy spring goddess. Something else I find interesting, which I'm not really going to get into, but I wanted to just share, is that she's also believed to have predated Hades. At least, that's what's inferred from our available sources. Which, knowing Mike and Angry's in the Dark Ages is not, not a lot. 
But there are many forms throughout ancient Greek religion and history that it's assumed she was equivalent of. And in these parallel deities, she was even more revered and even more powerful. Which is why I don't love the damsel in distress narrative, because it doesn't do justice to Persephone as a historical and mythological figure, and gives Hades all the power which just does Persephone dirty. I said I wouldn't get political, but kind of did. Okay, so I'm going to wrap up this episode now. Today we discussed two Greek myths that I love, Apollo and Hyacinth and Hades and Persephone. I did this for fun, because like I said last week, I was road tripping when I wrote this. I'm sorry I missed a week. I just didn't have a time to record anything. So I didn't want to do anything too demanding. So instead I made fun of Apollo's failed love life and romanticized Stockholm Syndrome. This episode was a lot more chilled, but honestly it was so much fun to write. Um, if you're into this style of episode, I don't know, like tell me on one of my social medias if you want, because I could do it again. It was fun. I didn't actually use any sources for this episode because part of the fun of it was that I was just relying on the myths from my own memory. However, I want to give a shout out to a YouTube channel that I've been watching a lot lately because of their history and mythology videos. This podcast was kind of inspired by them. Um, They're called Overly Sarcastic Productions. And if you're interested in more myths, I seriously recommend them. Their videos are like so well researched and if it wasn't for them, I would not have done this episode. Okay, thank you so much for listening. Overly Sarcastic Productions and all my social medias are linked down below. Thanks again. See you next week. Love you.